0: Church, thank you so much for being here today. This is '80s Weekend. Woo! I like it. If you're a guest visiting with us, thanks for being here today. As we continue our series called Decades, we're talking about what it looks like to live out the gospel today. But we're taking a look back at our formative years, and we're learning how we can translate that into uh, our, you know, our reality today. How we can actually live out our relationship with God today and so i'm glad that you're here if you're a guest or if you're watching online excuse me at solacechurch.com thank you for being a part of our online community this morning and uh uh this is an interesting week the 80s as we look back for a moment before we talk about what it looks like to be a 40 something the 80s were an interesting time weren't they Uh, they were interesting both in the church world and in the cultural world you know, the church was in, it was in an interesting period. The church was going through an interesting transition in the 80s. Uh, there was this, this revolution that took place in American culture in the late 60s and 70s. There was this huge rebellion against all kinds of authorities. And, and so that kind of made its way in some sense into the church. And in some sense it was bad, but in some sense it brought us into this, this revolution, this evolution in the church that I think was, 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 was certainly positive uh, in some ways at least. You know, the church was in a, in a season where hymns were the predominant songs of worship. And they were outstanding. Uh, you guys know this. My favorite style of music, period, is southern gospel. And I love four-part harmony. I love the hymns. And the, the church was, was entrenched in worship that was connected to hymn, uh, uh, maybe you grew up and you had the, the hymn book in front of you and we turned the page and the song director was up there and and he needed to lead the I don't I don't know what that helped I don't I don't know for sure but I remember that going on when I was growing up I actually in my seat we had pews when I was growing up and in my seat when I was very very little I helped the guy up up on stage direct music as well I don't I didn't know what I was doing but I was I was right there with him and so the Church went through this period of time where it came out of in the in the 70s and 80s out of just hymns into what was called contemporary music and contemporary worship. now we call it modern worship and so there was this period of time and it was awkward um, you, We sang some songs today that uh, kind of reflect a little bit of that period of time and and so the, there was a blend of worship. You, maybe you grew up in that, the blended worship, and you still had to sing a few hymns because we weren't going to get rid of the hymns totally because you can't do that. Um, but, then, but then we had to mix in a new song because you had to be relevant. The new songs were a little awkward. Just for fun, uh, how many of you, the third song we did today is called Lord, You're Beautiful. If you've never heard that song before in your life, would you just let me see your hand real quick? Let me see. A lot of you. That was me too. I'd never heard that song before. Uh, yesterday, when they told me what we were singing this morning, I'd never heard that before. Uh, because I grew up in we we didn't make the transition in our church out of hymns. We still did hymns all the years that I was growing up in the 80s for sure. So this was an interesting transition into these new songs that were different and 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 some churches had had drums. And you you can't do that in the church. That's not or in a guitar and a bass guitar and. Man, you can't feel those low vibes, man. You've got to get that out of the church, right? This whole period of time, maybe you understood that, maybe you grew up it. And I'm not taking sides on that. That's just what the church went through. There's some interesting things taking place in society as well. You know, in the church, one of the things that took place is the pastor took off the tie. He didn't get rid of the suit yet, but he took the tie off. That was controversial. Can you preach a message without a tie? Is that possible? The culture was changing too. 80s was an interesting period of time. MTV was launched August 1st, 1981. Whoa, 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 whoa. We clap for a lot of things at Solace Church, but not MTV. I'm having fun with you. All right, so how did MTV impact culture? Well, you know, there, there might have been something good kind of out of MTV. I, I don't know. But for the most part, it really, really shifted some things in our culture. And some things became acceptable that probably weren't acceptable previous to that. But if you grew up on MTV, you know how big a deal it was to watch those music videos. and to, I mean, it was a huge, huge cultural impact in this season of time. Maybe you, maybe you remember the cassette tape, too. Uh, The cassette tape was actually invented in the 60s, but really, really took on life in the 80s for sure. I remember, it's my preteen years, I remember having cassette tapes. I remember um, uh, getting cassette tapes and finding the ones that you could record over. And I don't remember, there was a couple of little nodules that you had to push in or leave up or something so you could record in that. And I remember putting that in, and I remember recording like uh, uh, 30 minutes or however long that cassette tape would last of the radio. I remember being in my room just listening to song after song after song, and I would try to, <laughs> I would try to stop the cassette tape when the commercial came on and start it again right after the commercial. I don't know if anyone else did that, but it was, I mean, oh, it was so amazing that I knew that I didn't, I could l- listen to that same song again over and over and over again because I recorded it off the radio. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Do you remember in, I think it was 1987, where Ronald Reagan tells Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this Powerful, powerful years, formative years for sure. If you grew up, if you're in the 40s right now, you you probably grew up in the 80s. And <laughs> the 80s was an interesting dress, neon perms. Hey, that's all coming back. Big hair is coming back, man. I don't know if we should clap for that either. That's weird. If you, were, if you were a teenager in the 80s, you're a part of the Generation X that we talked about last week. 1965 to 1980 is the Generation uh, X. Generation X is the smallest of uh, the generations alive today. It's wedged in between very, two very large generations. Uh, very little is written about the uh, Generation X compared to other generations. It's really the unknown. That's where, where we get our name, the X. It's the X in the algebraic equation, the unknown generation. And that's who you are, and that's, that's kind of what you lived through and grew up um, uh, with as your reality, and now, and now, if you grew up in the '80s as your teen years, now you're you're somewhere in your 40s or, or close to it. And this, this is an interesting period of time—the 40s. If you're younger than 40 today, I hope you pay attention because this is going to be your life at some point. If you're past 40, then you can again just applaud today, or amen, or whatever you'd like to do, because your time's coming next week. The 40s is an interesting period of time. You reach your half-life sometime between 38, 39, and 40. The average life expectancy in America is somewhere around 78. People are living into their 80s, even into their 90s, and that's an incredible reality. I'm so thankful that we're in that period of time. But you reach your half-life. I'm 38, so I'm about at half-life right now. And into your 40s, for sure, you reach half-life. Something very interesting happens in the life of a 40-something in this period of time. Um, If you're writing things down, I I want you to write this down, and then it's not going to make sense to start with, but I want to unpack it for you because I think it will before it's over. If you look at the 40s, I think the 40s are about leaning and leveraging. Leaning and leveraging. Let me unpack that for you over the next few minutes. By leaning, I mean that because there's so much transition going on in your 40s, that the relationship with Jesus is going to be so critical to working through some things you're going to go through. And by leveraging, I mean that you're at a season in life where you can begin to draw on experience and wisdom to make a significant impact. I'll unpack that for you as well. I I want to tell you before we look at Scripture about an interesting phenomenon that happens in the life of many, many people. Now, there's some researchers, sociologists who disagree with this, but many sociologists, and there's tons of research out there about this, believe that there's an interesting phenomenon that takes place in the 40s. There's an interesting uh, phenomenon called the U-curve. I don't know if you've ever heard of the U-curve before. But the U-curve is an interesting um, dynamic that really takes place and kind of bottoms out, if you will, sometime in the mid-40s. Let me let me help you understand what it is. This is called the happiness curve. And research has shown that, that a lot of people experience a peak or a pinnacle of happiness sometime around the age of 18. So, uh, so it's, there's a building effect all the way into the age of 18. 18 is a, p- a pivotal year, certainly in our society, because at 18 you're generally leaving home, although we know that's not always happening, uh, happening now. But at 18 you've finished high school, and, and these are the years where you begin to think, what career am I going into? What college am I going to go into or go to? What degree am I going to get? Then you begin to dream beyond that. What kind of difference am I going to make in the world today? How am I going to make a huge splash in the world today? So at 18, everything is in front of you. Dreams are vivid and real. Expectations about life are off the charts. You begin at 18 to believe that either you have found the perfect person and you're about to marry that person in a few years, or at 18, you believe God, if you haven't found that person yet, you believe out there somewhere is that perfect individual, that God made one individual for you only, and it's one person. And when you find them, life is going to be blissful forever. Something happens, though, after that. Your expectations are sky high, but as you leave home and as you launch into college or career and as you get married and as you have kids and as you, as you go through the grind of work and as you, as you go through life and you begin to realize that my expectations were really high, but maybe they're not being met exactly as I thought they were going to be met. And so what happens is, is happiness begins to dip and drop from eighteen through your twenties, into your thirties, and into your forties. And it bottoms out somewhere around forty-five. It's a very encouraging message today, aren't you? Glad you showed up. Like, really? That's what you gave me today? That's that's the message? Yeah. So you bottom out somewhere around forty-five. Why do you bottom out here? <laughs> because expectations weren't met. You you didn't you didn't achieve the, the success you thought you might ch- achieve in, in, in this amount of time. You begin to look at your life and you look back on life. Maybe it's half life. You're like, I'm half over. And you look back and you go, what, I, what have I accomplished? I mean, really, when, when I just think about my life, what, what is it that, that I've offered to this world? What have I achieved? In your 40s, something very interesting happens, and maybe in your 30s as well, and it may be true about your 50s, but certainly in your 40s, you've been married to the same person a while. You've been doing the whole, you know, life thing, and in your 40s, you know, you, you, you likely have a teenager or two in the home. That would explain the bottom-ending-out period. You wouldn't need any other explanation beyond that. Just say, you got a teenager? Okay, I get it, right? That would be sufficient to explain it. Maybe you feel stuck in a career, maybe you feel stuck in some relationship, maybe, maybe you haven't, you know, haven't advanced as far as you want to advance, so there's this bottom out effect that happens somewhere around 45. Now, the really, really good news about the U-curve, as you can tell, is even though there's a tendency to bottom out in your 40s, it gets way better. Most research shows that while 18 is a high point in life, actually, once you bottom out and begin to come up, it actually gets better and better and better with age. Now, I have to take this at face value because I'm only 38 and I haven't <laughs> bottomed out yet. <laughs> Chuck Burton's our pastoral care pastor. He's into his 50s now, and he often reminds us of how great life is now for him. He's got a, his first grandbaby, and Sandra and Chuck, you know, they, they're, they just, they're just doing life together, loving one another and loving life and loving grandbaby, and life could not be better. So he constantly reminds us, just hang on, hang on. It gets better, right? Because all of our staff are 20s and 30s and 40s, and he's our, he's our hope. <laughs> what happens around this time? Well, you think about this. After your 40s are over, your kids leave home. And you begin to say, Golly, oh man, that was tough. And the truth is, is when they leave home, you cry. Because you miss them greatly. And then when they're gone, you say, why are we crying? This is amazing. <laughs> so, so life begins to, to get better, at least. It's, it, in the happiness curve, this is the way it looks. If you would flip this on its head, research also shows that the greatest point of depression happens at the same period of time. That antidepressants become a very real reality in the life of many, many people in this period of time. This is what happens in your 40s, research says. You've got to be thinking at this point. Surely this message gets better. Surely there's some hope in here. Actually, before we get there, and there will be, in the 40s, there's a bottoming out effect. And I would argue it might even be in the late 30s to early 40s. But there's something that takes place. You ever heard of a midlife crisis? Research says one in four or 25% of people experience a midlife crisis. And that would represent a, a pretty large number of people in this room. Maybe if you're in your 40s, it would represent you. And if you don't know for sure if you're going through that, let me help you unpack this for a moment. There's some signs of a midlife crisis. Let's unpack them for just a moment. If life becomes boring for you, if you're bored with your marriage relationship, and I know that sounds harsh. The truth is sometimes you can get very complacent in your marriage relationship. If you're bored with your job, if you're bored with your position in life, your station in life, if you're bored with, you know, with, uh, with uh, friendships or those types of things, this is a potential Sign of a midlife crisis. Also, if you're thinking about having an affair. Or if you're involved in an affair. This happens because life is boring and you need some excitement. At least that's how you think. If you begin making rash decisions about money or career. If you have just recently purchased a Corvette. (laughs) Did you? Possible. Possible. Making dramatic change in style. So if you just recently got a new hairdo and you're in your 40s or early 30s. Or if you just recently updated your whole wardrobe and changed the way that you looked. Oftentimes research says that, these, that people going through midlife crisis stare at themselves for long periods of time in the mirror. They're trying to figure themselves out. Has little interest in spending time with spouse. Another indication, of course, that connects up here as well. Sleeping more, loss of appetite or lethargic. Again, these are classic signs of depression. Midlife crisis often is coupled with depression. Overly nostalgic, if you've opened up a photo album or put in a cassette tape recently, it's likely that you may be going through midlife crisis. Now, one of these things, as a one-off, isn't necessarily signs of a midlife crisis, but if you can combine all this together, this individual is searching for something else. They're unsatisfied with where they are, and they're looking for something more or something else, and they go through this trying to find themselves in this. Hear me, you will never find yourself in these things. You only lose yourself in them. So this is a reality in the life of some 40s, but, but what, is the, what is the good news? Because there has to be good news. The, 40 can't be just, the 40s can't just be wasted, depressing years, right? They're actually not. The truth is, the 40s are some of the most um, incredible years in terms of opportunity that you will ever experience in your life. Here's the really good news. If there's great news, let's just unpack this for a moment. The average age of someone who starts a business in America is 40. You go, well, well, wait, wait. I didn't know I was getting ready to start a business. No, no, no. Let me tell you why this is important for your life. Whether you start a business or not, this is an incredible reality. Why is it... That the average age of an entrepreneur is 40. Why isn't it 20? Why isn't it 30? I know we look at Facebook and go, well, there's the new pattern and the new culture. Yeah. Zuckerberg, is, he's different. Weird in the sense of not normal with the patterns. Why are the 40s the better? Well, um, theguardian.com gives us an indication of why this reality is true. And I'm getting to the Bible in just a moment, so hang on. Notice what it says. This makes sense, starting a company when you're 40. Why? For many, being 20-something is characterized by career uncertainty and debt. (laughs) Yep. While lack of experience working for other companies could make starting your own a risky business. He goes on to say this. Your 30s is the era of children and mortgages. Uh Uh-huh. A combined responsibility that could rule out taking a leap into the unknown 40s on the other hand represent an attractive combination of financial security and business experience what, what, what is the article recognizing the articles recognizing that in your 40s you have gained business experience and you begin to have some freedoms that you weren't afforded earlier in your journey that now you can begin to leverage to make a significant difference that's the point now This is really important in terms of your life as a Christ follower as well. Because you can really get lost in your 40s. You can begin to really drift away because here's the reality, you ready? 40s even can become very bored with church. In your 40s, if you grew up in church, you've been going to church a long time. In your 40s, if you got saved early, you've been in the church a long period of time. And you've heard every message from every passage of scripture you could ever possibly hear. And you hear it over and over again. Yep, heard that one. Know that one's gonna go. Yep, that's right. Jesus died on the cross. Got that, good. Yep, he's my savior. Yep, got all that. Checked off those boxes, right? You can become very even bored with the whole church dynamic. And so, I want you to understand 40s. These are years of maximum effectiveness and influence do you know that in your 40s you are now entering the greatest years of financial earning and it starts in your 40s and it goes all the way into the 50s and beyond greatest years of influence greatest years of maximizing what you have learned in the past this is what takes place in the 40s now now what does scripture have to say to you what does the bible say to those who are going through this period of time well i want to take you for just a couple of minutes to philippians because I think Paul, I don't know this for sure, but I think Paul may have written the end of Philippians chapter, or the end of the the, the book in Philippians chapter four, maybe just for forty-somethings. <laughs> at least it's maybe the most applicable in your forties. Let's let's take a look at the passage scripture. All right. So, based on what we've just learned about ourselves, forties, or what you've learned about yourself, I'm not there yet. <laughs> what what does this say? By the way, I'm reading from the NIV version, which was forbidden in the 80s. It didn't come out until 84, so it wasn't accepted until years later. And I'm Brother Matt today, all right? <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. I, I think that I could just read that verse and we could be dismissed and maybe accomplish everything we need to accomplish. Do you know why? Because when you're going through that kind of transition and when you're dealing with all that kind of stuff, it seems overwhelming. One of the things that can be robbed in the midst of despair or depression or transition or thinking back is you can lose the joy of your salvation. You can lose the fact that you truly are a child of God. and He loves you and he has forgiven you and he has purposed your life. You can lose that in the midst of all the other stuff that's going on. And so Paul starts this section by saying rejoice in the Lord always. If you're bored with life, rejoice in the Lord. If you're struggling in your marriage, rejoice. If your teenagers aren't obeying, rejoice in God. Not because they're disobeying, but because God is faithfully Walking this part with you. As a matter of fact, he's not just walking with you, he's leading you. It is his story unfolding in your life. Rejoice in the Lord always. (laughs) And this is why I say it might be written for a 40 something, because he needs to say it again. (laughs) He's like, no, 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 no. I know you didn't get it the first time, so just in case you thought that I was just kidding about that, I mean, always (laughs) rejoice in the Lord every time. He goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. I don't have teenagers but I've watched you. Um, Teenagers test every boundary. They stay out past curfew. Oftentimes not minutes, sometimes hours. They do some incredibly stupid things. We've all done stupid as we've learned. They wrecked the car. They run out of gas. When you tell them, don't let that thing go below a quarter of a tank, you get to the gas station. Do not drive on an empty tank. They drive on an empty tank. You do, if I catch you racing your car, young man, they go race the car. You, if, I, if, if I catch you getting drunk, they get drunk. When they come home after doing dumb, my guess is this verse is not on your mind. My guess is you're not saying, all right, all right, I need to be gentle. It's not on your radar. Your marriage isn't working just right. Gentleness, no. You need to lash out in anger. My job's not going, my boss is not responsive, and I'm frustrated. I don't, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord all, but I don't care what the circumstances are, and gentleness be evident to all. That is, this, this security in knowing that God is at work, so I'm going to conduct myself in a way that that is gentle in spite of the circumstances. It doesn't mean you shouldn't discipline your kid doesn't mean you shouldn't have difficult conversations with these spouse. It doesn't mean that you can't go through the frustrations at works. It just means the demeanor is not based on circumstances, but it's, it's based on the fact that I have confidence that God is at work in my life. And the Lord is near. That is, that is, he is coming, and I am accountable to him for how I live my life. He goes on to say in verse number six this, Do not be anxious about anything. Oh my goodness, if there was one more verse I would give you, it would just be that. Because when I don't feel like things are going the way that they should, when I don't feel like I've accomplished as much as I should accomplish, when I don't feel like things are working out the way that they should accomplish, I begin to worry and fret and fear and become overwhelmed by those circumstances. And Paul says, don't be anxious about any of that stuff. But in everything, that is in every area of my life, in my marriage, my relationship with my teens, in my career, in my emotional health and spiritual health and financial health, in every single area of my life, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. One of the things that drifts in your 40s, and it happens in your 30s as well, one of the things that drifts in your 40s is your relationship with God. It tends to drift in these moments because of despair or depression or anxiety. And you begin to lose sight of the centrality of Jesus as we learned last week. And what happens in this phase in the 40s is the greatest thing you can do instead of running away, which is what sometimes you want to do, is to get on your knees before the Father and let Him hear your brokenness, your hurt, your dreams, your visions, what's stirring within you, what's hurting within you. What's the exchange? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Someone going through a midlife crisis has no peace. They're searching. Someone who's struggling in their relationship struggling with peace. Even someone on the optimistic side, the positive side, who's reaching out into a new venture, who wants to start a business, who wants to climb the corporate ladder, has an opportunity to advance in his career. Someone who's looking to influence others in the community by stepping out in some different way. There's some anxiety attached to all that kind of stuff. But the thing that God gives us in exchange for anxiety is the peace that guards our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That is, even in the midst of all that's going on in your life, the, the, the ability of God through prayer to offer peace is overwhelming powerful. It stabilizes the heart and the mind no matter what's going on in my life. It transcends and it guards. Verse number eight. Finally, my brothers. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. If you're 40 here today and you're struggling in any way, form, or fashion, this stuff Is so important. Here's what scripture says. I'm giving you the King James Version. As a man thinketh, so is he. If you thinketh your marriage is over, if you thinketh there's no hope for your kids or the relationship with your teens, if you think you're at a dead-end job and God's kind of forgot about you, if you think it's better to run away than to stay and fight. As a man thinks, so is he. In other words, what you give yourself permission to think on in your mind will become your actuality in your life. But if these are your thoughts, you begin to harness and leverage all this opportunity God's placed before you. Think about such things. And then, let me conclude this morning. In verse number 12, this is what Paul says in thirteen. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. Stop. (laughs) Anyone struggle with that? I haven't figured this out yet. And I got seven more years before the bottom. And inside of me, there's a restlessness. When I think about all that, all that's going on, Paul says there's a secret of being content in every, in any and every situation. No matter what's going, there's a secret to being content, whether well fed or hungry. I'm like, that's got to be written for our 40s. They know both. They've been dead broke and they've had a little bit of money in the bank. Whether living in plenty or in want, they've lived enough to see all these seasons of life. <laughs> I love the conclusion. I can do my 40s. And I can leverage all that God has placed before me. I can, I can leverage as I lean. Do you see that? I can leverage. I can do everything through Jesus who gives me strength. You can look at your 40s. As someone who embraces the first half which is the U-curve and I'm at the bottom and this is difficult and midlife crisis and all that kind of stuff and I'm not making a lot of any of that but hear me in conclusion <laughs> I've been studying U-40s because I'm heading there I've looked at the 100 largest churches in America not that that's my only ambition, it's not even my first ambition my first ambition is to know Jesus true story, but I've looked a lot of the pastors Make the, a significant contribution pastoring incredible churches in their 40s. I'm like, I still got some time. I'm like, God, you, you're not even close to done with me. There's some of you out there, hear me, you, in your 40s, you're getting ready to start a business. And I say, go for it. Go start business. Do it. There's some of you out there, there's an opportunity ahead for you that's coming. It's a opportunity in your company or for a different company and if God leads you to do it, I mean get out there and get after it. It's okay to take a risk in your 40s because these are the opportunities for you to step out in faith and leverage everything God has entrusted to you for His glory to make a significant difference. Man, go for it. There's some of you out there, God's going to give you an opportunity to be raised up in this community or in the community that you're involved in to make a difference in some kind of community outreach opportunity. I mean, go for it, man. Go live these 40s in a way that makes a significant difference. Will you go? Will you run and be strengthened by Him to do everything he's called you to do and i want to pray for you so would you bow your heads and close your eyes hey this is pastor matt blair thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. you know we realize that it's possible as you listen to this message today that god may have spoken to your heart about something so if you made any kind of spiritual decision we would love to know about that you can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.